Oh my. Uh, this is um, Academy Award weekend. This is a big weekend here in Southern California. I always knew it was Academy Award weekend when I lived in Chicago. I really know it is when I live here in Southern California. And many, many churches, I don't know, almost view like the, the whole world of the arts and entertainment something that is uh, unclean somehow. But the reality is it's part of the gift of God. And uh, we live here in this place, which is sort of the center here in Southern California, the center of the arts and that shapes culture and community. And God has a people. God has a people in the whole world of arts and, and entertainment. And many of you are among them to bring light uh, into the world. And I am so glad to be a part of that here today. Because today we intentionally set aside this day to celebrate this gift of the arts that God has made a part of his creation and uh, you've already experienced some of it today. Uh, Jacob, this is a beautiful piece that you have written. I just, I, I want to hear it ten times uh, today. And, and even as, Jacob, as I, as I was listening and experiencing that together with the word, it, it, it made the point for me that I want to make to you. Um, how the arts seem to be a part of what God has created to help communicate something about himself and about the world that he has put us in. You know, my son Brandon is an artist, so I call him up to get a consult about such things. And, and I wrote a little bit about it on the worship folder, but I can never put it as well as he puts it to me. Uh, what he talked to me about is this, that God makes himself known through words and through his word and that, that God loves words he, he, he's given us his word as a special revelation so we can use words to talk about the world God has made and even to talk about God so I can talk about what is God like uh, he is light he, he is our salvation he is powerful he forgives he cares you know I use those words and and my mind is engaged um, my understanding is deepened but I, I'm telling you, uh, the arts, that's also a gift from God. And when I combine words with, with the arts, whether music or visual arts, something more happens. And the way that Brandon puts it is, there is more mystery about God and his world than just words can ever express fully. Our words can't say everything about who God is, but the arts are able to engage much more to help us understand, express, and even feel some of the mystery. I'm looking, maybe my whole talk is mysterious to you when I say this. All right, um, uh, something more happens. I've written it here so you can see it. Something wonderful actually happens. Uh, when we take words and combine them with music or the visual arts. Uh, so this more logical, analytical, objective part of our brains, I think it, the people say it's the left, uh, they are engaged and say yes, but at the same time when we put it with music, the, the intuitive, thoughtful, subjective parts of our brains kick in too. And I'll tell you what I feel when the music is, is being sung or played and, and the truth of God is being expressed. Everything inside of me comes alive and I sort of want to shout hallelujah. And if I can get up the courage, I might even lift my hands and praise to God. So, so, so the arts seem to be able to facilitate pulling it all together, you know, coordinating my mind and my emotions and my body to give praise to God. That, that's what I'm getting at. Anybody still here with me? Okay. All right, so an example of this. Um, 
on April 26, 1937. It was the Spanish Civil War. Um, those who were in charge, uh, th there were some insurgents in the north, and they called in the Germans and Italians to help, help them out, and they bombed this little city in the northern part of Spain. And they not only bombed them, it was overkill. It was absolutely devastating and almost like 9-11 with, uh, with the World Trade Center. Uh, so many people were killed, innocent people including children. Now when I say that with my words, I mean you feel the horror and the injustice of such a thing, right? But then when you actually take a photograph and see a picture or do a film, uh, it becomes real, and I, I've, I pulled out one picture so that you can just see that. You look at that and recognize what happened in that city. And it takes on a, a new level. It really happened. It's not just words. But I'll tell you, if you have a, a, a great artist, whether a filmmaker or a painter, uh, want us to experience the devastation and evils of war, you might do what Pablo Picasso did in what I consider to be one of his greatest works. It's a massive mural called Wernica, the name of the uh, city where it happened. I don't know if you like Picasso. I think this is now housed at the National Museum in Madrid. But the people who go and sit and look at this painting by Picasso weep as they think about the devastation of lives being destroyed, children being killed. Do you see? So this, this work continues to take on monumental status as a perpetual reminder to us about the evils that are in our world and the tragedies and senselessness and cruelty of war. So this is what I'm trying to get at. The artist has the opportunity to take words and, and whether you use music or visual or cinematic arts can express far more than just words can ever express. Do you see what I'm getting at? And that brings me to James too. Can you believe it? So again, you know... <laughs> You wondered, when is he ever going to get there? But I hope this will get you into there. Because the Bible is this special revelation of God about himself. God loves words. He, he, makes, he opens up the, his, his Bible with words saying, I am here. I am powerful. I, I create. I'm here and this is what I am like. And then throughout the Bible when we read and we wonder, where is God? We, we see him expressing so much about what he is like. And... Um, but the words not alone, are not alone in expressing what God is like. God also tells us that he creates things so we can see in this world what the maker must be like. So Psalm 19, the heavens, when we look at them, declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day after day, they proclaim his greatness and bring us to praise. I mean, here in Southern California, we experience that with the mountains and the oceans and the beauty. Don't we? All right, one of the parts of God revealing about himself is what we see at the end of James 1 and the beginning of James 2. That the God who made the heaven and the earth cares for people in distress. And by that, it, it, God is a God... In distress means that you just don't know where else to turn. Have you ever been there? Where the difficulties are so challenging, you wonder where do you turn? Who can help? Does anybody care? And God says, I care. And throughout his word, he declares that. Last week, last week I showed you Psalm 68.5. God our, is a father to the fatherless who feel like they're separated from family. God is a defender of the defenseless like, like widows. And it happens so many times. 
Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 18. God, what is he like? He brings justice for orphans who feel, why have I been left alone? And and for widows, and he shows his love uh, for the aliens. So God declares through his words, this is what I'm like. But I think we can rightly ask the question, where do we experience? I mean, when we're in trouble, where do we experience that God cares for us in our distress? And you know what happens in the Old Testament? God says, I'm going to create a people in this world. And he created his people in the Old Testament, the people of God, the people of Israel. And within Israel, they were to reflect to the world what God is like. So so whenever there were people who were hungry in Israel... He set up the whole nation so it would reflect his heart for the poor. The people who had farms weren't supposed to farm at all. They were supposed to leave something out there in the farms so that those who had no food could find food because God cares for people who are hungry. Do you see this? People who came into Israel, though everywhere else they may be ignored, when the alien would come into Israel, they would find a place of shelter so that they would not be viewed as simply isolated because God cares about all people. He created His people to reflect His heart in this world and to demonstrate His glory. Now, we know that the people of Israel didn't do this well. They didn't obey Him. And so Jeremiah, their own prophet, had that section I pointed out last week. He said, so there's going to come another day where God's going to do it in a new way. He's going to find a way to write his word and what he's like on our hearts and give us through his indwelling within us a new power actually to live the way that shows the world what our God is like. And of course we know that the Bible tells us that that began to happen when Jesus came. When Jesus came into this world and now of course in faith in Jesus he is drawing together a new people and he plants his very spirit into our hearts. so so that he should empower his people to be like him in this world. Uh, Which should be a part of this, should be that we'll care for people in distress. Now, of course, here we are, 21st century, and uh, do you know that there are still people in distress in our world? So you could rightly ask, (laughs) I mean, where are we going to see the care of God for people in distress in this world? And James tells us, in James chapter 2, that we should see it in two places. Number one, in Jesus. We should be able to read about the life of Jesus and see what this looks like. And number two, and here it's going to come home, in the church. Local churches like this one, planted in communities to reflect the heart of God. So I want us to think about that for just a few moments today, and then we're going to go out and see some of the great art that's here. Where are we supposed to see and experience what God is like? Not simply through his words, but where are we to do it? Number one, James says, here's what he says. When you see Jesus, what you're going to see is the way that God cares for people in distress. And and notice the way he puts it in verse one. So my brothers and sisters, this is Pastor James, for those of you who are new, writing to his own people who themselves were often in distress and in smaller communities because they'd been run out of their hometown in Jerusalem. So they were out there trying, but they were together, they weren't alone, and so they, they, he, he wants them to make sure that those communities reflect the heart of God wherever these people went. So my brothers and sisters, do not, and this is my translation, demonstrate your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, namely the one who is the glory, 
Don't demonstrate your faith in him by discriminating among people on the basis of outward appearances. Uh, that, I'll, I'll tell you why in just a few moments why I translate it that way. But here I want you to notice what James calls Jesus. He calls him the glory. Uh, our translations have a hard time translating it. If you look at yours, you'll see the glorious Lord Jesus or the, the Lord of glory. Or something. But really what he just says is Jesus is the glory. And, and, and when you draw up on the Old Testament... When it talks about the glory, the Shekinah glory, that's the place in this world where God was to be seen. Uh, to be the glory is to be a visual representation of the very person of God. To glorify, at least in part meant this, it is to show the world what someone else is like. To reflect what another person is like to others when they see it. So, okay, I've used this illustration before, but I think it's, I think it's helpful. Um, a great, great athlete, a basketball player. Where are the greatest qualities of a basketball player going to be seen? It's not hard. This is not hard. It's on the basketball court. It's on the basketball court. A great, great singer. Where is the glory, the greatest qualities of that singer are going to be seen? It'll be playing defensive linemen on, on, in a football field, Right? No, it's going to be in a concert hall. It's going to be in a concert hall. Where is the glory of, the greatest qualities of a great writer to be seen? It's going to be seen in, in the books, the things that the person writes. And so, so we ask the question, where is the glory of God supposed to be seen? And, and, and James says, the glory is Jesus himself. So if you want to know... What does it look like that God cares for people in distress? You should be able to read about Jesus and we'll see that God took on human flesh and Jesus is the glory. When you see him, you see the Father. See, this is what John wrote about in John chapter 1, verse 18. Nobody has ever seen God the Father at any time except God the Son and he makes him known. That's what he says. And then Philip just says, Jesus, just show us the Father. That's all we want. And, and, and Jesus says to him, Philip, don't you know that when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So, if you're fairly new to church, if you want to see what the heart of God is like in this world, I just encourage you to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books in the New Testament. Just read it through and then take a sheet of paper or uh, do it on your iPad or something. And mark down there, how does Jesus treat people? When people are distressed, a leper comes up to him. What does he do? When a woman whose life is trapped in prostitution comes up, how does Jesus treat her? When a Roman centurion that nobody else wanted in the country comes up and needs help, what does Jesus do? And every time he does what nobody else does, he reflects the heart of God. He welcomes. He blesses. He forgives. He offers them a new life of shalom. When he was doing these things, we see the glory. So where, where do we see this heart of God, God's heart for those in distress? He says, I'll give you a bit. I will take on human flesh. Look at me and you will see my heart. In fact, how did Jesus put it? Luke 4. Luke 4. When he declared, this is why I've come. He said, so the Spirit of God... The Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, 
to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me for this purpose to proclaim freedom for prisoners. Ever feel trapped? Recovery of sight for the blind. Ever feel you can't see where things are headed? I have come to set the oppressed free. When you look at Jesus, you will see what God is like. And if you've never met him, maybe this will be your day. Now, where else are we going to see him? Now it gets personal here, right? Here's what I see James saying. When you experience the church of Jesus Christ, you should experience God's care for people in distress. He begins that way, and then verse 7, he'll even say that we are the ones who bear in this community the noble name. I mean, we carry his name, the noble name of the one to whom we belong. So verse 1 is so clear. Do not demonstrate your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really what I think. Don't, when people look at your life, don't have your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ come out in this way that what they see you doing is discriminating among people on the basis of external things because that's not what Jesus did. If, If we sort of respect one over another, that is not glorifying God. So, uh... God plants us here. We're his artwork. Right here in Southern California. He plants a church just like ours right here in Southern California so that when the people wonder, is God real? And if he's real, what is he like? Brothers and sisters, they should be able to show up here. They should be able to watch our lives individually when we're in school or out in the workplace, but then when they see us, the way we interact with they should be able to look and say, what kinds of people are welcomed in that church? And that will show us the heart of God. What kind of people are saying, can you believe that I have found a place of belonging and hope? What kind of people are there? We have been planted by God to be his visual representation. This This is exactly what Paul was getting at in in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, where he said, To him be glory. I'm talking about in this world. Where? In Christ Jesus and in the church. And, And on this arts weekend, I think especially Ephesians 2.10, it almost should be our theme verse for our arts weekend every year. Because it talks about God as the world's greatest artist, and he is, you know. He makes stuff. (laughs) We see him using all sorts of mediums at the very beginning, creating things in the beginning. And now he says, my my world has been affected by, by sin, but I'm going to engage in an act of recreation, reclamation art. And we, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, are his masterpiece. He uses that word, a work of art. And that means us individually, but really much more. What, James, what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 2 is local churches like ours, planted in a community, are to be a drawing together of all the people for whom Christ has died. People divided from one another for various reasons. Age and ethnicity and backgrounds and in we come and we are united because we who needed mercy have found mercy in Jesus hallelujah so we come together and we cannot 
say one person is more welcome than another simply on external things because that isn't the heart of God. Is this clear? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so James takes this up in James chapter 2. He says you can't, and some of our translations say favoritism. You can't show favoritism. But really, there are two sides of the same coin uh, of, uh, of, uh, of prejudice. Uh, favoritism on one side, discrimination on the other. Um, favoritism is where a person has so much, and we say, oh, wow, that person we like to sit next to in church. And then we, we treat them as if that's the most important thing in the world. And, and the other side is this prejudice or discrimination is where we look at a person who has nothing. We think, you know, there's another church down the street that you might go to. Now, when he says you can't do that and reflect the heart of Jesus, I have to clarify something for our day. Because there are so many people who say, well, Pastor, that means James is saying that you've got to tolerate me no matter what I do. Uh, I, I even have had people say that. Just really, my view, I won't give, use names or anything, seems like mean-spirited people who come up and just use words to tear down and it really hurts. And they say, well, you just, you've just got to tolerate me because that's the way I am. And I say, but it seems to be mean and nasty. <laughs> Does that reflect the heart of God? What do we say about that when people say, well, you've just got to accept me because that's the way I am? Well, I think there are two things I'd want to say. I'd want to say, yes, we've got to see you as God sees you. You are a human being. And Jesus died on the cross for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. There is hope for you, no matter how mean and nasty you might be. <laughs> but you have to be willing to say, go and sin no more. You see, it, it's not just tolerating those things that are wrong in inside of our lives. And what James specifically takes up is when in a community like ours, we seem to reflect that one kind of person has more value than another simply because of external things so he tells a story verses two through four he says okay just think about it if i put it in our terms uh, on a sunday morning two different people come into church okay the first one drives in with what his uh, his brand new lamborghini you know one, one of his 50 co brand new cars and uh he comes in with an armani suit and, and uh, uh he, he's known to be a famous athlete and what happens? Everybody sorts of swoons and they think, wow, this is great. Just think of, we can tell everybody who goes to our church now. And maybe with the new building we want to build for children's ministries, he'll write a big church and the rest, a check and the rest of us won't have to give anything. And especially, he might get us some Dodger tickets. You know, that's, that's how we think. But what happens is that we discriminate and only value what's on the outside. And so many people who are successful will even come in to a church setting and think, I'm not seen for anything more than what I can bring to the, and feel awkward. Uh, you see, so that's favoritism on one side. But what James really takes out is what most people have done in gatherings like this is that the one who comes in and maybe just a few days ago was let out of prison. 2 a.m. sometimes people get let out of prison, given one set of clothes. They so wear that one set of clothes in and, oh, I guess all of us should have worn black today on this, whatever, if I don't have anything like that. And we hold that person at arm's length. Go sit over here or sit over there. James declares 
that God will not and cannot tolerate discrimination against people who may be viewed as having little influence in the world or little worth to bring to us because he says God specializes in showing his heart to those that the rest of the world doesn't view as having much to offer. In our world, wealth might be viewed as so significant in a business community. Uh, having a lot of academic degrees, that's really valued in, in a university, right? But, but in the eyes of God, those, those sorts of things are often gifts and, and, and have been brought about because of opportunities God has given to us. Those aren't very high on his, the way he values uh, the way that a person walks with him. So, so that while human beings and human organizations are often going to look on the outside appearances, we can't be like that because our God looks on the heart. And I've written it down this way, that any church in which Jesus is the Lord should be a place that demonstrates what God's heart is like to its neighborhood. Remember last week's message, verse 27 of chapter 1, real religion in the eyes of God is to care for people in distress. And when we just set our minds and hearts on doing that, we're going to glorify God here in the San Gabriel Valley. People are going to look and say, God is real and that's what he's like. All right, my time is gone because I want you to get out and see all the artwork. I just want, where do we start with this? There are just countless things. I had a whole program of things, big book of things I want you to start doing. But uh, Blake Raboli, who, who works with what we call Club 45, he said he thinks I should start simpler and more focused, kind of like James did. <laughs> he just said, start opening your eyes to those I bring across your paths. I, I call them all divine appointments. Anybody whose path my, crosses my own and learn to ask God to, to, to help you to see people the way that he sees and to welcome people the way that he welcomes. So that when you go out today, hopefully you'll stay and look around at the work that our artists have done. And sometimes, um, let, let's say you're an older person, you'll see a younger person there looking at a piece of art, and you'll think, I'd better not talk to that younger person because, you know, I'm old and that person will think I'm not cool. We, we can think like that. They won't want anything to do with me. And, and the other side can happen too, right? A younger person could say, wait a minute, that person looks like a university professor. We're looking at art together. Oh, I don't want to act, look dumb here. So I just, I'm going to ignore that person. See, all sorts of ways across ages and generations and just the first thought that we have about how a person is dressed or look, it creates walls between us. Let's simply start by, by intentionally making sure those walls come down and we enter into a relationship. And when you do, you find out when people are in distress. And sometimes you'll find out that God has entrusted to you a resource that might help alleviate the distress in his name. So I want us to start there, but I don't feel content. That just seems too soft. You can't read the book of James and just, can you? Well, I've got to go one more step. I think that when he wrote this thing, it was shocking. You've got to treat both of these people as being valuable and in the image of God. And I think we're almost unshockable in our day here in Southern California. So I, I've been looking at some of the art. You'll see we have a whole section of art done by people who have been incarcerated. I, whoever shows the picture, don't show it yet. Don't show it yet. 
so I, could, I saw one that really uh, gripped me because I thought in general most of us who go to Lake Avenue Church don't look like the people pictured in this work of art and so um, I took a little bit of time to get to know the artist and it, his name is um, Ernesto Olivas in fact I think Ernesto either is here now or will be here Ernesto I think is 55 years old in his lifetime he's been in 17 different prisons in California some of them several times he has spent more time incarcerated than he's he spent outside of, of prison and uh, his life has been filled and, and sometimes by his own action but filled with people who have been involved in drugs as he has been um, in, in violence and much of his time under the watch uh, of the prison guards with the watchtower that is there uh, several years ago Ernesto when I talked to him he's now a brother in Christ I, I'm just telling you uh, you talk to him so he'll be here you have to go back to see his painting he, he, is a, he, he does a Bible study with a group of the people where they still have sort of the prison I mean the home captivity he has a Bible study every evening after dinner and brings a pastor in every Friday I, I'm just telling you you go to church this is real God is real God still forgives. God still sets us free. There is hope for all of us who come to church because all of this is real. But several years ago, Ernesto painted or, or, or did a drawing. Just, you'll see the skills that he has of the people that have been a part of his life. So now, uh, with all that introduction, I want to show you. It's called Unlikely, Unlikely Friends. Um, I sent this on to my son Brandon, not telling him anything about the setting of this particular drawing, and said, what do you see? And uh, what he said is that this kind of piece of work of art with the use of things like tattoo and mural culture put together images of a life that are cumulative. It's not linear. It's not just words that tell us this happened and this happened and this happened. But when you look at that, you see the people who have come into a life. And when I talked to Ernesto, uh, Brandon was right. Uh, the woman down in the lower left shooting up with heroin was his wife who died of an overdose. Uh, the people who are here are the people who have been forced together into an unlikely uh, friendship. But often because of things like, like the violence and the drug culture. You see that the skulls and so forth, that, many of you might recognize that as being from the Day of the Dead uh, celebrations, which though in one sense it refers to death, it is, is a celebration in many cultures. So when Brandon looked at that, he said it might be the person is looking for some sort of hope in the midst of all of these things that are, that are trappo, trapping people. He said, I believe this work is a, a record of the struggles of a person whose life has been brought into contact with many, many people, but is looking to find hope. This was written in, in the midst of a time where, where Ernesto was trying to hide the fact that he was still trapped in the addiction of heroin. As you, as you look at it... I, uh, I see Ernesto's painting showing us people who've been affected by the things that happen in this world, by the drugs, by the violence, by the evil forces, and even by death. As a result, many times, it forces in incarceration for, for the obvious reasons, and you see that watchtower watching that community of unlikely friends. But people need to know that no matter how far we may feel that we are away, God is God. And God cares for people in distress.
Uh, I'll take this away. You can go and talk with Ernesto. He can tell you what it really means at, at the end of the time. Here's the question I want to ask us. How would Jesus have seen and treated the people who are pictured here? That's the question we have to wrestle with. He is the glory. He is the glory. Jesus shows us the way that God views people, all people. God sees in people whatever is on the outside. He sees his image within that person as marred as it may be. And declares to us that washing and cleansing can happen from whatever has happened in the past. And the Spirit of God is ready to come within when we receive Jesus. And remaking is possible because of the the presence and power of God. Uh, And I want to proclaim to you that local churches like ours have so much to offer because we not only offer a place where you'll find unlikely friends, you find an unexpected family. People from every part of the world, every kind of background, every age, who have acknowledged there's no hope for me apart from God being who he says he is. And the people who are here, the vast majority of us, had a time in our lives when we fell upon the mercy of God and said, here is my life, here is my sins. You don't want them, do you? And he says, I will take them. And what is wrong, I will cast as far as east is from the west. What is inside, I will begin to cleanse. And I will give you my very spirit to remake you. And that message is not just for us, but for all. But for all. And with that in mind, we come back again to James's words, so powerfully put. My brothers and sisters, you simply cannot demonstrate faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The glory, we, we can't do that by discriminating on the basis of external appearances. That doesn't glorify God. Instead, with the help and the power of God, we can be the place where God visually shows to this world this beautiful part of what he is like. And it's all based upon what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let's see if you believe it. That if anyone... Who's in the anyone? All right. Some of you aren't. You just don't want to vote with me, do you? What's he going to ask me to do? If anyone, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, we are new creations. Hallelujah. In Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. May you find that to be true to his glory. Amen. Amen. All right, I, I need to go down here. Do we have a microphone, Lynn? In case you got bored while I was speaking, I had... This is Nancy White. Oh, I tell you, Nancy sometimes sits here, and I like to try to sit behind her and watch her draw. Yeah. Nancy, tell me what you've done here. Well, I've drawn one of our orchestra members... 
because uh, they are worshiping in their own distinctive way. They are both worshiping when they're not playing and there are musicians at rest waiting for the moment when it's time to play for worship. So it's always, even when we're resting, we can be worshiping. But it's like you say, when you're done worshiping here, go out and do. And I love this. I, I recognize her. That's Lydia. That's Lydia. Lydia, are Yes. Oh, okay. It was a little stressful with that last orchestra piece. I yeah. knew I was about to lose my model. Yeah. So as the crescendo was rising, <laughs> yeah. I could really feel it, the yeah. pressure. Yeah, it's wonderful, Nancy. And, uh, oh. So you'll be here, or you'll take, carry it back to the back? I'll carry it back to okay. the back. Okay, we'll give you a few moments here to, to do that. Uh, Jim and Karen, who are the head of the Hollywood Prayer Network, and Jim and Karen, I thank God for you, because you're the ones who put this day in our hearts. I mean, God used you to do so. So will you carry us here from this moment? It says, in the beginning, God created. God is a creative God. Thank goodness. He loves creative people. Uh, And we happen to be in the world's most influential mission field right here. What happens amongst the creative people uh, in this congregation and just in the area that we live in affects every single missionary we know across the planet. There's no place that you can go that is not affected by this creative community that we're in. And if I had you raise your hands, how many of you know somebody or live next to somebody or have a friend or relative that's in the, that's in the, in, it's in, in, in the, in the industry some way? Raise your hand. Let's see, it's everybody. It's really, it's really amazing what the arts are doing in this place. So today we're going to celebrate the creative people in this community. <clears throat> and it, it goes so beautifully with uh, Pastor Greg's message because those of you who aren't creative, you may be aware, but creative people um, really struggle much more greatly with isolation, with discrimination, with loneliness, with discouragement, with despair. It's hard to make a living as an artist. It's hard to be recognized. We look different sometimes. We act different. It's like the wrong side of the brain sometimes that's going on. And we want to honor and celebrate the artist today. God uses artists to bring beauty and truth into the world. And we want to be a part of that creation. You will be so blown away by the, by the lobby, by outside. All of our creative kids have put their work in the patio. We have jazz music. We have handbells. We have whittlers. We have, we have all kinds of creative people, architects. And we even have a list that's going to scroll of who is involved in the disciplines of creativity. But we want any of you today who have any artistic ability, you may not even think it's worthy, but it is because God has given it to you, to come down and to have Pastor Greg pray a blessing over you. Pray a commissioning prayer to have you go out and bring truth and beauty into the world. If it's doodling in your kitchen or if it's, if it's creating something for a client, whatever it is, we want you to come down and sense that God is using you and using the gifts and talents that he's given you in order to make a more beautiful world and a world full of his truth. So please start coming down. You'll see a list of names maybe not, scrolling. Maybe not creative clients, accounts. Oh, yes. Okay. We were joking about all of the different names of people here, of all the creativity. And we said, you, you're creative in all ways, except in this season, maybe not creative accountants. We're not yeah, sure about right. that. That's right. 
<laughs> but you're creative too. But would you start coming down from the balcony, from down here? Just come down, and Jeremy and Dwayne are going to encourage you as well, and John, and just know our choir, our orchestra, what you do in your home, what you do for a business, what you do as a hobby, how you think. If you know God has given you a creative talent, please come down to the front and be recognized. You have value. You are a new creation. The Lord is using you to impact the world. And we want everyone else to see all around us. We have creative people. We are here. We're planted as his ambassadors to bring beauty to the world. See, this, this is the nature of the church that I get to be in. We're going to soon have more people here than we have. And it's wonderful. It's, this is wonderful. I, I, one of the churches I pastored was all, made up almost of all business people. And that was good too. It was really good for offerings and so forth. <laughs> but here I just see that God has blessed me so much with, uh, to be a part of this creative community. You know, my, my son Brandon is an artist. His wife Kelsey is a musician. And uh, I know how hard it is. You just wonder where the next uh, opportunity will come. Uh, you often have to give up some stability to use the gift God has given you. So we're going to pray that, that you will sense God's renewed call to use the gifts that he's given, that God would maximize those gifts to further his work in the world. So let's all extend our hands toward those who are here in front of us. And I'll lead us in prayer. Our Father, you are the greatest artist of all. You took all sorts of mediums and created this universe. You have even made us. And you are ready to remake us to be your masterpiece of reclamation art. Father, we are so grateful. And so we know that when we use the arts to communicate so many things about your world and about you, that we're reflecting your glory. Father, here before us, we have people who are committed to you and want to use this gift that you have given them in ways that honor and please you. And so, Father, we take time now to pray for this group that is gathered. Father, I pray that your blessing may be upon them. There's so many things to pray for, but, Father, I would ask that you would reaffirm in their hearts even now that the gift that they have is from you and that you would give greater clarity than you ever have before to each one about how that gift is to be used. I pray it will be surrendered to you more fully than it ever has been before. That somehow, Father, it would reflect the truth of this world that you would have to be reflected. Sometimes our art will have to show what has happened to your world. But Father, help there always, I pray always, that you would help us to show the hope that is found in you and that is demonstrated through the person of Jesus. Father, I know that with a gathering this big, there are many of our artists of all kinds who are in that same place that I said both my son Brandon and, and daughter-in-law Kelsey are in as artists wondering what is the next step what is the next project? What is the next piece of music that, that God would have me to do? What is the next opportunity? Some may be facing times of distress even now. Father, I pray that they would find in us people who reflect your glory and your heart. Father, I pray that you would lead and guide and provide in ways that go beyond anything that has ever happened. 
And Father, here as you have given us the stewardship of living in Southern California, use the gifts we have to proclaim your truth and to your glory, not only here to the San Gabriel Valley, not only to Los Angeles and to the state of California, but from this place to all of the world, that the world may see and believe. May your blessing fall upon each one here, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless each of you.